right, hello and welcome to Between the Liars with Ryan. It's another episode of Bill Me, where I read the legislation so you don't have to. And today we're going to be talking about HR 7688, also probably known as the price gouging of consumer fuels. I don't know. Basically, it's an act to try and prevent price gouging at the pumps, trying to alleviate what we know to be uh, pretty damaging numbers at the pump when you go to fill up. Now, here's the thing that I want to talk to you about before we get into the summary of the bill. I've come up with two new things to make this segment more interesting. I'm going to give you two ratings towards the end of this. I'm going to give you the efficacy of the bill rating, and I'm going to give you the media correctness rating. These are going to be my opinions on just how much do I think this bill actually addresses the problem that it claims to address, and then we're going to talk about how correct I think the media got in their propagating of whatever bill it is. So stick around towards the end for that. Now let's start you off by talking about some of the claims and controversies here. Uh, so first and foremost, the media claims have been that Republicans voted against a resolution that would lower gas prices, and therefore the Republicans are obviously against the people. This was a national House resolution, so instead of just the state, national level. This is kind of true, kind of false, so I would say man, it's indisputable. The majority of the Republicans voted against this. The bill still passed the House. It's on its way to the Senate now. But I'm not personally convinced that they voted against something that would alleviate our current situation. This bill claims to be addressing the prices at the pumps. We're going to read through this, and I'm going to help... Uh, we'll figure out, you know, let me know in the comments, do you think that this is addressing the key issue or not? So let's talk about the summary here. Uh, so this act is to prevent fuel prices that are two things. Number one, unconscionably excessive. And number two, that exploit consumers in a time of energy crisis. Now, for the critical thinkers out there, you should probably be asking yourself, what does that mean? Like, can you define excessive for me? The bill doesn't. And that's the thing is that it gives it to the executive branch and the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, to kind of determine what excessive is. So that's issue I have number one with that. The other thing that this act does is it gives the president power to issue an energy emergency proclamation and he can make the proclamation for a period of no more than 30 days. But my understanding is that that is renewable without any limitations. So at the end of 30 days, he can still proclaim we're in an emergency crisis. So go ahead and continue with our emergency procedures. The Federal Trade Commission is going to be the one that enforces this. I am at least pleased that they've provided an enforcement mechanism in this bill. You think that'd be the bare, bare, bare minimum requirements for a bill, and yet uh, here I am being impressed by that. And then uh, they're going the the FTC, Federal Trade Commission, is going to be handling whatever they deem to be unfair or excessive as an FTC violation, which will include pretty hefty fines. And the fines and fees that they collect are going to be allocated to the Low Income Home Energy Assistance Program. So what that means in actuality is this is effectively a tax on corporations who are deemed predatory. So if the FTC says, hey, you are acting outside of what we deem to be acceptable prices, trading, etc., then we're going to fine you. And then we take that and we allocate that towards people who fall under the, uh, what was the acronym? 
Well, I think it's just pronounced LEAP, but uh, Low Income Home Energy Assistance Program. Okay, so before we get into the actual text of the bill, don't forget you can help this channel out majorly by liking and subscribing. You can also head on over to our own website and subscribe so that, you know, anything that gets taken down, I do post up there again. All of our Bill Me segments have stayed up, so that's been great, but we have had a few things that have been taken down by YouTube, so if you want the full access uncensored, make sure you head on over to our website. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, etc. Just follow us at Between the Liars for all of your updates, and now let's go ahead and get right into the text of the bill. Before I do that, let's, uh, we're gonna try some new music. I feel like the music in the background, like, really needs to be ominous, given how a lot of these are going. But, alright, uh, H.R. 7688, an act to protect consumers from price gouging of consumer fuels and for other purposes. It's really interesting to me, anytime the government says, and for other purposes, I feel like you're getting a little bit more vague there, but, uh, I digress. Being enacted by the Senate and House of Representatives of the United States of America in Congress Assembled, Section 1. Short title, and I feel like this is just like the uh, high school or a college student who forgot to, who wrote title at the top of their essay and then didn't retitle it. <laughs> but anyway, section one, short title. This act may be cited as the Consumer Fuel Price Gouging Prevention Act. Ah, there we go. Section two, unconscionable pricing of consumer fuels during emergencies. In general, it shall be unlawful for any person to sell a consumer fuel at wholesale or retail in an area and during a period of an energy emergency covered by a proclamation issued under the paragraph 2 by the president at a price that either A is unconscionably excessive and B indicates the seller is exploiting the circumstances related to an energy emergency to increase prices unreasonably. Energy Emergency Proclamation. In general, the president may issue an energy emergency proclamation for any area within the jurisdiction of the United States during which the prohibition of paragraph 1 shall apply. That includes the geographic area covered, the consumer fuel covered, and the time period that such proclamation shall be in effect. Now we talk about the duration for this proclamation. It may not apply for a period of more than 30 consecutive days, but may be renewed for such consecutive periods, each not to exceed 30 days as the president determines appropriate. And this may also include a period of time not to exceed one week before a reasonably foreseeable emergency factors to be considered. In general, in determining whether a person has violated paragraph 1, there shall be taken into account, among other factors, the aggravating factors described in subparagraph B and mitigating factor described in subparagraph C. So here are your aggravating factors. The aggravating factor described in this paragraph are the following. Number one, whether the amount charged by such person grossly exceeds the average price at which the consumer fuel was offered for sale by such person during the 30-day period before the date which the proclamation was issued or another appropriate benchmark period as determined by the commission. So there's a little bit of your parameters. Whether the amount charged by such person grossly exceeds the price at which the same or a similar consumer fuel, this is the second aggregating, aggravating factor, Consumer fuel was readily obtained in the same area from other sellers during the emergency period. Now, here are our mitigating factors. This is in subparagraph C. The mitigating factor described in the subparagraph is whether the quantity of any consumer fuel such person produced, distributed, or sold in an area covered by the proclaim proclamation during the 30-day period following the date on which the proclamation was issued increased over the quantity such person produced, distributed, or sold during the 30-day period before the date on which the proclamation was issued, taking into account any usual seasonal demand variation. 
So let me just pause for a second here and break down a little bit about what that means. What they're basically saying here is that if the president issues that we are in an energy crisis and then your prices grossly exceed or they deem to grossly exceed what you were charging beforehand, then they're going to hit you with these fines. And I'm going to get into this a little bit as I close out with some questions to be asking yourself and maybe some context surrounding this. But think about this. President Biden has effectively declared that we are in an energy crisis. We need fuel. But when we need fuel, economic principles say that when you have less of something, the cost is going to go up. So naturally, the market is going to drive up those prices. The question that they, I don't think, in my opinion, that these people will take the nuance for is, is the price going up because they're price gouging or is it just going up because of market prices? Most of those clauses seem to focus in on current prices to previous prices once an energy crisis has been declared, not so much the actual market value. So we'll see how that actually goes. But let's go back to the actual text. Affirmative defense. It shall be an affirmative defense in any civil action or administrative action to enforce subsection A with respect to the sale at wholesale or retail of a consumer fuel by a person that the increase in the price of such consumer fuel fuel reasonably reflects additional costs that were paid, incurred, or reasonably anticipated by such a person, or reasonably reflects additional risks taken by such person to produce, distribute, obtain, or sell such consumer fuel under the circumstances. So I, that does answer a little bit of the question that I just posed there. But again, remember what we learned from TJ is that when a law is vague and they leave it up to the interpretation of the enforcement, we might not see that reasonableness actually applied. So it would be interesting to see how this actually plays out. Subsection C, rule of construction. This section may not be construed to cover a transaction on a futures market. Subsection D, enforcement. Federal Trade Commission, a violation of subsection A, meaning that they've got unfair price gouging prices, shall be treated as a violation of a rule defining an unfair or deceptive act or practice prescribed under section 18A1B of the Federal Trade Commission Act. The Federal Trade Commission shall enforce this section in the same manner, by the same means, and with the same jurisdiction powers and duties as though all applicable terms and provisions of the Federal Trade Commission Act were incorporated into and made a part of this section. In enforcing subsection A, the commission shall give priority to enforcement actions concerning companies with total United States wholesale or retail sales of consumer fuels in excess of $500 million per year. Subsection 2, enforcement at retail level by state attorneys general. In general, if the chief law enforcement officer of a state or an official or agency designated by a state has reason to believe that any person has violated or is violating subsection A involving a retail sale, the attorney general, official, or agency of the state, in addition to any authority it may have to bring an action in state court under its laws, may bring a civil action in any appropriate United States District Court or in any other court of competent jurisdiction to one of these four things. Either one, enjoin further such violation by such person. Two, enforce compliance with such subsection. Three, obtain civil penalties. And four, obtain damages, restitution, or other compensation on behalf of residents of the state. 
subsection B. Notice, the state shall serve written notice to the commission of any civil action under subparagraph A before initiating such civil action. The notice shall include a copy of the complaint to be filed to initiate such civil action, except that if it is not feasible for the state to provide such prior notice, the state shall provide such notice immediately upon instituting such civil action. Subsection C, authority to intervene. Upon receipt of the notice required by subparagraph B, the commission may intervene in such civil action and upon intervening. So now we've gotten into the execution section of this resolution. To be heard on all matters arising in such civil action and to file petitions for appeal of a decision in such civil action. Subsection D, construction. For purposes of bringing any civil action under subparagraph A, Nothing in this paragraph shall prevent the Attorney General of a state from exercising the powers conferred on the Attorney General by the laws of such state to conduct investigations or to administer oaths or affirmations or to compel the attendance of witnesses or the production of documentary and other evidence. Subsection E, limitation of state action while federal action is pending. And while originally it does look like this is a joint task force, right? You can execute this at the state or federal level. Now we've got kind of the outline between these two competing or potentially competing factors, agencies. If the commission has instituted a civil action or an administrative action for violation of subsection A, a state attorney general or official or agency of a state may not bring an action under this paragraph during the pendency of that action against any defendant named the complaint of the commission or another agency for any violation of this act alleged in the complaint. Subsection F, rule of construction. This paragraph may not be construed to prohibit an authorized state official from proceeding in state court to enforce a civil or criminal statute of such state. Low income energy assistance. Subsection 1 says the deposit of funds amounts collected in any penalty under subsection D1 shall be deposited into a separate fund in the treasury to be known as the Consumer Relief Trust Fund. Two, use of the funds. To the extent provided for in advance in Appropriations Acts, the amounts deposited into the fund shall be used to provide assistance under the Low Income Home Energy Assistance Program, described in Section 2602 of the Low Income Home Energy Assistance Act of 1981, administered by the Secretary of Health and Human Services and the Weatherization Assistance Program established under Part A of Title IV of the Energy Conservation and Production Act, administered by the Secretary of Energy. Now, let's pull that up for you. The La Heap statu Leap Statue. Section 2602, the Secretary is authorized to make grants in accordance with the provisions of this title to states to assist low-income households, particularly those with the lowest incomes that pay a high proportion of household income for home energy, primarily in meeting their immediate home energy needs. So this is the, I guess it might be called the authorization clause of this. Secretary already is authorized to make those grants. They're explaining how that's going to be triggered if and when there is a violation and those funds need to be allocated. Subsection F talks about the effect on other laws. Number one, other authority of commission. Nothing in this section may be construed to limit the authority of the commission under the Federal Trade Commission Act or any other provision of law. Two, 
state law. Nothing in this section preempts any state law. Now, that's an important clause to have because, especially if we're dealing with something at the federal level, as the Federal Trade Commission would be, federal law trumps state law in most instances. Now they get into the definitions, the definition of commission, the term commission means the Federal Trade Commission, definition of consumer fuel, includes gasoline, distillated fuel oil, jet fuel, liquid propane, aviation gasoline, compressed natural gas, and biofuel used for transportation fuels and home heating and liquid propane used for residential heating or residential energy generation. Now, in addition to high prices at the pumps, you have to remember that the cost of gas to heat your homes went up uh, I, I, somewhere in the Midwest. I feel like it was Michigan, I want to say. I'd have to go check this, though. What happened was they had some of the highest energy prices in a very long time this past winter to heat their homes. Part of that is market supply and demand. Part of that is also coming out of COVID. A lot of these companies are trying to make up ground. So this would act as kind of, it seems anyway, as like a limitation on how much, not just importation of oil, cost of oil at the pump, but also natural gases and such to heat homes. Three, retail. The term retail with respect to the sale of a consumer fuel includes all sales to end users such as motorists, as well as all direct sales in other end users such as agriculture, industry, residential, and commercial consumers. Now remember, when a farmer has to pay for fuel and diesel is out the wazoo when it comes to their costs, their overhead prices go up, and that's going to be reflected in how much they now have to charge for any produce that you're getting. Same for truckers, trucking companies that transport these things. This is why everything is so expensive. It's because everything is interconnected. When inflation hits us in the economy, it tends to impact everything when it's related to the oil or any type of energy portion of our industry. Now, wholesale is defined with respect to the sale of a consumer fuel, means sale to any person for resale. Now, Section 3 is the amendments to the prohibitions on market manipulation and false information provisions of the Energy Independence and Security Act of 2007. So they are rewriting some of these definitions, amending them at least. Subsection A, application to transportation fuel. Subtitle B of Title 8 of the Energy Independence and Security Act of 2007 is amended. One, in Section 811 by striking gasoline or petroleum distillates and inserting or transportation fuel. So now it will say or transportation fuel. Two, in section 812, in the matter of preceding paragraph one by striking gasoline or petroleum distillates and inserting or transportation fuel, and in paragraph three by striking gasoline or petroleum distillates and inserting or transportation fuel, and three, by adding at the end the following new section. So this will now be sex, section 816, definition of transportation fuel. Here's your definition. In this subtitle, the term transportation fuel includes gasoline, distillate fuels including heating oil, jet fuel, aviation gasoline, and biofuel including ethanol, biomass-based diesel and distillates and renewable blending components. Subsection B, prohibition of false information. Section 812 of the Energy Independence and Security Act of 2007 is amended to read the following. In the matter, preceding paragraph one by striking wholesale and inserting supply of operational actions related to output related to or wholesale and B by striking quote to a federal department or agency unquote 
in paragraph one by adding and at the end. So we're going to skip down a little bit because this is really just the boring nuts and bolts. Let's talk about the enforcement. It's going to be amended to basically say, except as otherwise provided in section 814, it will now say here are their penalties. Section 814 of the Energy Independence and Security Act of 2007 is amended. And this is what I want to hit on before we leave this section. It's no longer going to be a $1 million fine. It's going to be $2 million. And then in section four, the transportation fuel market transparency. Section 205 of the Department of Energy Organization Act is amended by adding at the end the following. It's now going to read transportation fuel market transparency. And in this subsection, the definitions, energy company is defined as the term energy company, meaning a person as defined in Section 11E of the Energy Supply and Environment Coordination Act of 1974. And they basically have, I'm going to post this, so if you want to go read all of these terms and definitions, you can. But basically, if your hand touches the market in any case, and you're thought to be exploiting, you're going to be hit. Same for transportation fuel. It, again, encompasses literally everything, including jet fuel, aviation, gasoline, etc. And let's skip down past surveys. The administrator shall conduct surveys of energy companies to collect detailed and timely information on United States crude oil and transportation fuel markets. Subsection B, the exemption. The administrator shall exempt an energy company from participating in the surveys conducted under subparagraph A if the energy company has a de minimis market presence or impact as determined by the administrator. Now that's interesting because that seems to open it up to be quite subjective. Data collection, you would think, would be relatively objective, but if they're picking and choosing based off of the administrator's discretion, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Now, data collection, subsection 4A, in general, the surveys conducted under paragraph 3 that we just read shall collect information on a national, regional, state, and energy company basis. Again, like I said, everything from the top to the ones who directly sell it to consumers are going to fall under these clauses the information collected the surveys conducted under paragraph three shall collect the following information with respect to crude oil and transportation fuel as applicable number one the quantity of crude oil and transportation fuel imported and exported number two the quantity of crude oil and transportation fuel refined stored and transported number three the quantity of crude oil and transportation fuel purchased and sold at any upstream point between energy companies including off-exchange bilateral sales and sales between subsidiaries of the same energy company. Market price data for the transactions described in clauses 1 through 4, submissions to relevant price reporting entities. This is num Roman numeral 7, any other such data analyses or evaluations that the administrator determines is necessary to achieve the purpose described in paragraph 2. Subsection C talks about the origin of fuel. In obtaining the information described in subparagraph B, which we just read, the administrator shall, to the maximum extent predictable, track and publish the country of original production of crude oil and transportation fuel that may have been resold, refined, blended, stored, or otherwise been exchanged or sold before being imported or exported into the United States. So again, this is laying out that they're going to be tracking so that they know how much you're upcharging because the production, I, if I 
if I'm a production company and I'm buying the crude oil and then I refine it, I pay, I upcharge so that the next person, I make a profit. They're going to track and see. So that's good that they're outlining that in my opinion. I think one thing that still bothers me in the back of my mind is that I don't see actual definitions of what is going to be considered excessive. Subsection D, other sources, the administrator may, when practicable and determined reliable by the administrator, obtain information described in subparagraph B, all of those parts, from private price publishers and providers of trade processing services. Minimizing reporting burdens. The administrator shall seek to minimize any burdens on energy companies in reporting information to the administrator, including by automating data submission practices for data collection under the surveys conducted under paragraph 3. Public distribution in general to the maximum extent practicable. Subject to this paragraph, the administrator shall consistently and promptly make publicly available analyses of the results of the data collection pursuant to this subsection in a form and manner easily adaptable for public use and machine analysis. Subsection B, geographical specificity. Analyses published under subparagraph A shall be geographically specific enough to provide meaningful differentiation between fuel markets and shall not organize geographical data in the form of Petroleum Administration for Defense Districts or other geographic aggregations lacking sufficient resolution to ascertain regionally specific market trends or disparities. My understanding of that section is going to be something along the lines of when you aggregate data, you're taking all of the specifics and you're just basically pulling out big picture. How do these relate to each other? And it seems like they're just trying to outline that you you can't extend your findings beyond what the actual data would show. Subsection C, non-disclosure. Any analysis published under subparagraph A shall not disclose matters exempted from mandatory disclosure under subsection 552B of Title V in the United States Code. Data sharing agreements. Federal Trade Commission, notwithstanding subchapter 3 of chapter 35 of Title 44, United States Code, commonly known as the Confidential Information Protection and Satisfactory Efficiency Act of 2018. Not later than one year after the date of enactment of this subsection, the administrator shall enter into a data sharing agreement with the Federal Trade Commission, FTC, that shall allow any information collected pursuant to this subsection to be requested by and transferred to the Federal Trade Commission without limitation or delay. Subsection B. Other federal agencies, the administrator may enter into data sharing agreements with federal trade or with federal agencies that have energy related policy decision making responsibilities, including the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission and the Securities and Exchange Commission. Authorization of appropriations. There are authorized to be appropriated to the administrator to carry out this section such sums as are necessary for each fiscal year's 2022 through 2027. That is a very, <laughs> a very vague allocations of funds, but I digress. 
Section 5, we're going to talk about the FTC investigation and report on gasoline prices. So the investigation, in general, the Federal Trade Commission shall conduct an investigation to determine if the price of gasoline is being manipulated by reducing refinery capacity or by at any other form of market manipulation or artificially increased by price gouging practices. Consideration. In conducting the investigation under paragraph one, the Federal Trade Commission may consider the impact of mergers and acquisitions in the oil and gas industry, including mergers and acquisitions involving producers, refiners, transporters, and gas stations. Now, that's interesting to me that it says that the FTC may consider. I think that's something that they should consider because that affects everything in the market there. If I merge, stock prices go up, you know, you, there's, there's a whole lot of things you got to hammer out. I don't know. That's just interesting to me. The report, no later than 270 days after the date of the enactment of this article, the FTC shall submit a uh, to Congress a report on the investigation conducted under subsection A, including a long-term strategy for the commission and Congress to address manipulation of oil and gas markets during times of national or international crisis or emergency. Exemption from Paperwork Reduction Act, Chapter 35, Title 44, United States Code, shall not apply to the collection of information under subsection A. The authorization of appropriations that is authorized to be appropriated to the Federal Trade Commission to carry out this section, $1 million for fiscal year 2023. Section 6, Transportation, Fuel Monitoring, and Enforcement within the Federal Trade Commission. Subsection A, Establishment of the Transportation, Fuel Monitoring, and Enforcement Unit in general, the Commission shall establish within the Commission of the Transportation, Fuel Monitoring, and Enforcement Unit. In this section, it will be referred to as the unit. What are the duties of the unit? Primary responsibility. The primary responsibility of the unit shall be to assist the commission in protecting the public interest by continuously and comprehensively collecting, monitoring, and analyzing crude oil and transportation fuel market data in order to, one, support transparent and competitive market prices, and two, identify any market manipulation, reporting of false information, use of market power to disadvantage consumers, or other unfair method of competition, and three, facilitate enforcement of penalties against persons in violation of relevant statutory prohibitions. So this section here is basically saying we are under the FTC creating a new unit specifically to handle this. So this will be a new unit. Presumably we'll need um, funding on an annual basis, etc. Specific duties. In order to carry out the responsibility under subparagraph A that we just read, the unit shall assist the commission in carrying out the following duties. Number one, receiving, compiling, and analyzing relevant buying and selling activity in order to identify and investigate anomalous market trends and suspicious behavior. Number two, determining whether excessive concentration or exclusive control of energy-related infrastructure may allow or result in anti-competitive behaviors. Number three, Gathering evidence of wrongdoing against any person in violation of the statutory prohibitions on market manipulation and false information established in and consistent with Subtitle B of Title 8 of the Energy, Independence, and Security Act of 2007 or any other applicable provisions of the Federal Trade Commissions Act. Now, obtaining a data sharing agreement with the Energy Information Administration that includes the data collection in accordance with Section 205N 
of the Department of Energy Organizing Act. Another duty here is obtaining data sharing agreements with the Commodities Futures Trading Commissions, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, and as necessary and practicable state energy offices or commissions and relevant public and private data sources that will allow the commission to receive and archive information on the following. Number one, crude oil and transportation fuel buying and selling activity. Number two, individual physical and financial market positions of market participants regarding crude oil and transportation fuel. And three, refinery output capacity and inventory levels of crude oil and transportation fuel. Four, imports and exports of crude oil and transportation fuel within regions and at levels that could impact prices faced by consumers. Five, public announcements by energy companies of planned pricing or output decisions regarding crude oil and transportation fuel. And six, other relevant market information that will facilitate the gathering of evidence described in Clause 3, including sufficient market information necessary to monitor, uh, monitor for cross-market manipulations that may include multiple financial and physical market positions. Six, any other... Try to figure out there. Oh, that's a. <laughs> these Roman numerals are throwing me off. If you're not, if you're listening to the audio only portion, <laughs> so this is a lowercase Roman numeral six instead of the upper, uh, the capitalized one that we we're just reading. Subsection of what we just read. Any other information determined appropriate by the commission to carry out the responsibilities under subparagraph A. And then they have definitions of the commission, the transportation fuel, the regulations, authorization of appropriations. I'm not going to get into all of those. That's the rest of the bill right here. This passed the House of Representatives May 19th, 2022. I believe this is scheduled to come out on May 31st. I'll post an update if the Senate actually passes it. I can't imagine that it will. But we'll see. So now let's just go ahead and we'll talk a little bit about some of the important context surrounding this. So number one, obviously, as every one of us is well aware, fuel prices are at record highs, both gasoline and diesel. Here's some things to know about that that have directly contributed to that being the case. Number one, the Biden administration ended gas leases in Alaska about two weeks ago. So when this post on the 31st, it'll probably be about four weeks ago. So there's no drilling in Alaska now. Biden also ended the Keystone Pipeline. He also has not allowed any new leases on federal lands since the time he came into office. And he also sixed the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, you know, the one who basically controls whether or not your business is in compliance with the really aggressive green energy that the Democrats have been pushing for in a lot of their legislation. But the EPA doesn't even need those laws. They can basically come in and say, all right, we're going to evaluate you. If they're evaluating you and you are under investigation, you are shut down. So the EPA is basically domino effect has slowed down production, even on the leases that exist. So you got to think about how does that impact the market? Because, well, we, we part of the reason prices are so high is because gas is a little bit more scarce now. And that's because no oil company thinks right now that digging in the U.S. is a safe investment right now. And a capitalistic principle that they're going to follow is if I can't make money, I'm not going to invest in it. I mean, you have to think who's going to invest in oil and gas right now when they're probably going to be shut down, if not by the EPA, Biden could yank the rug out from under them. Like that's kind of the reality surrounding all of this. 
And then you also have to think that the companies aren't going to invest in a really risky thing regardless. Everything that this bill is trying to say is pretty much predicated on the notion that corporations are greedy. So you have to ask yourself, are corporations truly that greedy? Or are they out to make a profit? And as long as the market self-regulates, like, I, I don't know. Tell me in the comments, how do you think they fall? Bottom line here, regardless of what you think on that, supply is down, so the cost is up. Another thing that I'm going to interject here that I think is going to come as the result of this is if they artificially restrict profit margins because it is so vague. Let's say that they really go ham and say, yeah, you really shouldn't be making anything. And then they drive down the incentive to drill or refine or whatever. Pick, pick your stage there. That's going to lead to a shortage because we're not getting that oil. So here's some questions I think you should ask yourself and then I'll get into my ratings of this particular bill. Number one, ask yourself how much price gouging currently exists. Do you think that the market prices are the way that they are because of inflation, because of lower market, or do you think that these companies are just really jacking up the prices? Is it because of bad policy? Like, ask yourself these questions. Look into and I'm going to po post some resources linked below or linked in the, what is it, uh, just the description of the episodes if you're listening to the podcast version. Another question you should ask yourself is, did companies suddenly become greedy? Because under the Trump administration, we had some incredibly low gas prices. And then when COVID hit, they went even lower because nobody was using the gas because we we're all home. So prices went down again. There was not as much need. So we had an excess so that it was very cheap. So you have to ask yourself, is it the Biden policies like what I just mentioned, the restriction on drilling and refinery and all of that, or are they just that greedy? Did they suddenly become greedy under the Biden administration? You also have to deal with the fact that inflation is higher in some areas in the United States than in others. So you have to ask yourself, if I truly believe that companies are greedy and not just not, not just like driven by profit margins, but like truly trying to take advantage of the American people so much so that we need this legislation, then you have to ask yourself, are some companies more greedy than others? Because like otherwise, or why? why? Why is it that in some areas, gas is more expensive, inflation is higher, etc.? Again, the entire premise of this resolution rests on the idea that corporations are greedy and then the second premise, second crux of needing this legislation is the idea that government intervention alleviates the issues. So here's my efficacy uh, or my my efficacy of the bill rating. Do I think that it addresses the issues? <laughs> no, I give it a one out of five. The reason I give it a one out of five is because I think that the main issues, we've got supply issues, we've got a lot, of, we've got inflation. There's a lot of things. I don't think that allowing the government to regulate more, which is what this bill does, it doesn't increase production. It doesn't increase the amount of product, just like with baby formula. We have a supply issue. We're short. I also think that if they artificially, let's say that prices go up because there's not a lot of product and they need to charge more for that to regulate it. And then we have the FTC coming in and saying, ah, you're price gouging. You need to lower it and we're finding you, etc." then I think what's going to happen is we're going to have an actual true shortage of oil. And I like I think it's just going to be a perpetual spiral. So I don't think this bill actually addresses the core issue that they're seeking to, which is consumers paying out the nose at the pump. Media correctness. I give it a three out of five. I think that, you know, we're in the middle of a political election cycle coming up in October. The media is obviously going to be biased and all of the ones that are 
you know, harping on how Republicans are hating on the American people and just out to let them to be continued to take advantage of. And they're, you know, repeating the talking points of the Democratic Party. And then they don't also demonstrate evidence for that. I think to me, that's politically driven. I'm also not surprised. Like, I think that the information that they're giving that they give, I don't know, I'd pull that Snopes, PolitiFact, fact check, mixing context on them. Um, I really think that it's designed so that if you don't dig into this, you're going to think, ah, clearly this would fix the problem. Republicans are the ones standing in the way. But I think a lot of their information that they do give is correct. I just don't think that they give all of it. Here's a parallel that I'm going to draw. If you didn't know this, look into it. The California Democrats voted to raise the tax on gas. It's part of the reason gas is so expensive in California. And their stated reason for that in the past and when they did this has been, well, we want to drive the consumer to do energy efficient things. We want them to go after green energy, electric cars, etc. So they raised the tax. So I find it very difficult to believe that the same caucus that is in favor of doing that to drive people towards what they deem to be cleaner energy is also the one who's got our backs. I just I don't think that they do. Um Again, that didn't address the key issue, and it's also important to note that just like in this situation and the California gas situation, the people are taxed twice. Because what was the California Democrats' solution? They said, we're going to tax the people to then turn around and give them a rebate. So, ah, it's really high prices at the pump because of the taxes. So we're going to give you a rebate i.e. they took taxes they have collected in the state of California and they give it to the consumer. So it is their money basically being circulated, not their meaning the people's money. So I don't know. That that to me is just really interesting. I think some outcomes of this, and again, why I think the efficacy of the bill doesn't address it is because corporations, ultimately, they're going to be disincentivized from investing in the economy, i.e., creating the gas, the oil, the diesel, et cetera, that we need, which is going to create a supply or that would create the supply, which would naturally lower the cost because there's so much that they're in competition with each other. I think this is really just an excuse to just have more government intervention, in my opinion. And ultimately, I think we're going to pay more. Like, I really think that what's going to happen is we directly pay more at the pump, and we also pay more through taxes, whether it be through subsidies or penalties, etc. Because if they are charged penalties, let's assume for a moment companies are motivated by profit. Because they are. I do believe that. I'm not here to say the companies are your friend. If you tax the companies, if you find the companies, they'll make up that profit somewhere through charging us. So I really just think that this is going to have some consequences that are going to bite us in the butt later on. I also think, and this is really doomsday me, I really think this is going to lead to a fuel shortage. And I think that if you listen to Biden and the other Democrats, that is literally their plan. Like they say, if you're paying more at the pump, good. Jen Psaki said, if you're paying more at the pump, good. Because that means that, you know, you're incentivized to jump on board with the Green New Deal. You're incentivized to reduce your carbon footprint, etc. They don't care about us. So that's... So anyway, that I, I do think that that will lead to a fuel shortage, and I think that that would not be considered a bad thing by the Democratic Party because that's what they're saying out loud. So anyway, uh, tell me what you think in the comments. I would love to hear your thoughts. One out of five, efficacy. Three out of five, media correctness. I might even go with a four, three and a half, somewhere in there. All right, that is it for this Bill Me segment. Remember, you can find Between the Liars on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Twitch, and Google Podcasts. 
Follow us on our social medias at Between the Liars to stay up to date. And you can DM us. Please tell me what segment you want us to do in the future. Love some feedback. And if you enjoy this show, would love if you would take the time to give us a five-star rating and help us kind of be pushed out there from the algorithm. All right, I'm sure you find yourself somewhere between the liars. Join us for our one-year anniversary this coming Saturday. Goodbye for now.